Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. Today is the two-year anniversary of our show. Uh, actually, we're a week early because when we were trying to figure this out, Spencer gave me the wrong date, but that's okay. <laughs> we're close enough. So happy anniversary to Mindy and Spencer. I could not have two better podcast partners to work with, and I couldn't see myself doing the show with anyone but you guys. Seriously, I'm not just saying that. Um, so uh, let's do a little toast. Mindy, do you have anything you want to say before the toast? Uh, that you're very generous because over the past few, well, year, really, <laughs> um, I've had some some blockers and weird shit going on with like work and life. And you've, Sharon has kind of stepped up and taken the reins and, and I owe her a lot. So Thank I would you. never, but aside from that, I would never think of doing this with anyone else yeah where's that money you owe us yeah i was gonna say i take cash money so <laughs> <laughs> or booze <laughs> all right cheers cheers thank you spencer for putting up with us anytime yes, thank you spencer our editor and producer and you make us sound way better than we actually do so <laughs> we literally cannot do the show without you the people will never know. <laughs> so since we haven't recorded a ghost story episode in a very long time, we decided that we should read a bunch of listener ghost stories for our anniversary show. I have to say that we have some really, really good stories to tell you all today. So turn out the lights or gather around the fire, pull up the blankets close and get ready to hear some of the creepiest stories that we have ever read on this show. And as per usual, I've stayed away from some of the stories that, like, you said that you were going to cover, Sharon. So I'm as excited as our listeners for some of these. Um, I may need a blanket, just FYI, if I ask for one. <laughs> or a diaper. Or a diaper, or both. <laughs> I don't know if they're that scary, but <laughs> it's a good thing you're sitting in a wooden chair. Right. All right. We just watched the episode of Key and Peele last night where the guy, the, the, oh, the yeah. gangsters in the car, he's like, I just pooped my pants. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> try not to poop yourself, Mindy. I'll try. No promises. All right. So our first two stories come from Ricky. Here is the first story. Hi, my name is Ricky and I live in Portland, Oregon. For five years, I lived in an old apartment building on the side of a hill. All the fixtures looked like something from the 50s, and even the complex kind of looked like an old beach motel. It was nothing fancy, but it was spacious and the price was right. I was there a couple of weeks when I first started noticing the weirdness. First, the cupboards in the kitchen would open. I'd close them and walk away, but come back to find them open again. At first, I figured it's an old building, the wood was probably expanding and popping them open, also, my first night there, I learned that the carpets were infested with fleas Ugh. when I woke up itching and turned on the lights to find my legs covered in tiny hopping bugs. A little after that was when I started to hear things at night in my bedroom. I'd be lying in bed and hear someone breathing, and it wasn't me. At first, I thought maybe I'm hearing my neighbors, but it sounded like it was in the room with me. After that was when it started touching me. It would grab my toes if my feet stuck out of the covers 
or I'd feel the weight shift on the bed like someone was climbing in bed with me. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually had experiences like that before, but I'll I'll say that till after I finish the story. Yeah, same. Put a pin in that. It would put its face next to mine, which I can only describe the feeling of as having a light pressure just over your skin. The constant feeling of not being alone started to fill the apartment. I called a friend who was a professional medium who told me my apartment was on top of an underground creek and spirits are drawn to moving water. So what I was experiencing wasn't one ghost that lived there, but multiple ghosts that would wander in and out. She explained that sometimes being a ghost is like being lost in a fog. It's lonely and scary when they see someone notice them, they stick around and try and get their attention. Over the five years I was there, I got better at picking them out. Some I could smell, like the one that smelled like flowers and followed me to work, or another that smelled like an old folks' home. One would kick the furniture and scare the hell out of some friends who were sitting on the couch. I'd tell it to leave, and it would bang on the table. Another got in the bathtub with me, making the water go from scalding hot to teeth chattering cold. Even the last week I was there, I could hear something in my bedroom closet breathing like a dog at me. A few times I would wake up to have the covers being pulled off and sometimes I could sort of see where they were, like the space they occupied was out of focus. I ended up being so used to them, I'd just tell them to fuck off and I'd go to sleep. I developed new habits like saging and wearing obsidian. Eventually getting ghosts is just this nuisance like getting ants. Since I moved out, I haven't had much of anything of that anymore, but apparently it's like a muscle. Once you start using it, it gets stronger. Now I pick them up places or get weird feelings in old buildings like I can sort of tell when they're around. I do get one that comes around in my new apartment every now and then. He smells like sweat and looks over my shoulder at what I'm doing, but he's pretty harmless. I can't say I'm sorry to not have them around anymore. It's really not as fun as I used to think it would be, but it's also nice knowing we all have somewhere to go. Anywho, that's my story. Hope you liked it. All right. Ricky, first of all, (laughs) thank you so much for writing us. Um, Yeah, a lot of the things that you mentioned are things that I've dealt with. Um, One, I kind of have a fear of having my feet stick out from the covers just for that reason. I've never actually had like my feet or anything grabbed, but I've definitely felt like someone has climbed into bed with me. And I've also felt a pressure of like someone lying completely on top of me. But I actually think that was um, sleep paralysis and not anything supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be Scott. Every time somebody says the whole pressure on top of me thing, I just I can't help but be skeptical about that because I've had sleep paralysis, too. And it feels real as hell. But yeah, um, I mean, if you watch any ghost hunting show, the whole water is a conductor thing is like as soon as he said that I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to see something happening. So, yeah, I you know, I'm not saying that what he experienced was sleep paralysis. I, I know yeah, yeah. for a f- fact, I'm pretty sure what I was experiencing was sleep paralysis. But I mean, cabinets opening and closing on their own and, and like everything else that happened to him. That's pretty hard to write that off as something else other than 
a possible supernatural experience. So great story. And also I had a similar experience in the childhood home I grew up in because there was a nursing home right behind my house. So I also had, I think, spirits that would pass and kind of cross over into my yard and, you know, maybe come visit us in the house, Uh, especially because we, you know, we were, I think, some of the only young kids on the block. So maybe like we were more sensitive to that. Yeah. Um, And then they would leave and then, you know, we'd experience some things like a few years later. So, yeah, I totally uh, know exactly what he's talking about, the spirits coming and going. But Ricky, that was a good story. And like I said, a lot of factors you've mentioned are things where I'm like, hmm, that kind of makes sense in terms of what I've heard about different kind of hauntings. Well, he has one more story. Ooh, yes. Let's hear it. So here is his next story. So my little sister got married to a really good guy from a really good family who are rich as fuck. So she decided <laughs> to have a destination bachelorette party to Austin, Texas, and she thought it would be a really good idea if her big brother went with. I told her she doesn't understand how bachelorette parties work, but she insisted. (laughs) I think that's kind of awesome. You guys obviously have a great relationship. Um, So I flew down to Texas, and if you've never been to Austin, all I can say is that Austin is amazing. So I'm in Austin with my sister and her pack of friends who I nicknamed the Sisterhood of Traveling Putas. Uh, We're all Latin. This is him saying this, not not me. Uh, He wrote in parentheses, we're all Latin. It makes more sense in Spanish. And we wander into an antique shop on SoCo where we find this insane wooden (gasps) devil mask. Oh, Ricky. The thing had dirt on it from wherever they dug it up. Of course, I bought it and took it home with me like I'm Peter Brady. And if you don't get that reference. So there was an episode of the Brady Bunch where the family went to Hawaii and Peter Brady took an idol from a cave and then the family started having like bad luck. Um, So, yeah. So I appreciated the reference. I totally got it. <laughs> I, I did too. I also think that if if it's something that you're, you're not sure of, you can Google it. Uh, whatever. But thanks for the explanation, Jaren. Anyway, continue. I bring this thing home and hang it up. And within a week, I start having weird dreams about a black shadowy figure walking around my apartment, holding the mask up to its face and standing over my bed. A week later, I'm at work eating a falafel when I start itching all over. Then my tongue starts to swell up. The next thing I know, I'm getting EpiPen in the back of an ambulance and being told I'm going into anaphylactic shock. I've never been allergic to anything, and even after seeing an allergy specialist, they could not find anything wrong with me. After that, I ended up on short-term disability from work. I began to have crazy thoughts and became really afraid of the mask and wouldn't touch it or make eye contact with it. People would come over and feel uncomfortable and say they felt like they were being pushed out. I felt like I was losing my mind and began having constant panic attacks and was put on Prozac and Xanax. I would be constantly shaking. I couldn't sleep. I was having visual and auditory hallucinations and even became suicidal. Every morning I was waking up and putting a gun in my mouth. That is horrific. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, seriously. Um, 
The only thing that kept me from doing it was the thought of making my mom fly out to clean my apartment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Ricky. Then my grandmother died. She was very old and had dementia and a bad heart, but the timing was brutal. We were very close. It was about this time my friend Carrie Bigger came into the picture. I've met a lot of people in my life who claim to be psychic or mediums, but Carrie is one of the few I've ever believed because I've seen her do unbelievable things like giving a complete stranger a message from their dead mother to calling to check on my sprained ankle five minutes after I sprained it. Carrie told me the mask was made by a really bad man a long time ago with some really bad intentions. There was a lot of negative energy. Basically, it's a cursed object. Lucky me, (laughs) I would have just gotten rid of the thing, but it was already there in my apartment. I even considered setting it on fire, but didn't out of fear of letting something loose. I burned sage and Palo Santo at it yelled at it like a lunatic, and in the end, she's the one who cleared it. I still have the mask hung over the door to my studio, but no more issues, no anxiety or craziness. And now the only thing wearing spooky masks and prowling my apartment at night is me. (laughs) I don't know if I would have kept that mask. I would not have bought that, Ricky. Uh, wow, you got balls. <laughs> yeah, we are going to post a picture of this mask. Um, we, yeah. ha- we have it in my document that we are are reading so Spencer and Mindy can see it. But um, Ricky, thank you so, so much for sharing both of your amazing stories. Um, I hope your mask is still behaving. <laughs> I do have to say that I totally asked Ricky in an email, I wrote him back um, to see if his friend Carrie would be willing to come on our show and talk about what it's like to have that gift. But she declined because as Ricky explained, she couldn't really talk about her stories because when she does, she's forced to relive them. And it's very, you know, it's very real for her to relive those experiences over again. So um, she does have to set some boundaries, which I totally respect. Um, But, you know, I I tried uh, because I just thought it would be fascinating to hear what she has to say. Um, He did say, though, that she is very, very good at what she does. And that one time he watched her tell a server at a restaurant that she'd never been to before, that the server's mother really approved of her husband and how important it was that she knew that. And the server broke down in tears and ran away and then came back and told them that her mom died only like a week before she met her husband and it always really hurt her that they never met. So that's a pretty incredible story. Yeah. And that's very like, how in the world would you know that? Like I, I'm a big believer in people who are able to um, know that much about people, you know, medium psychics. Obviously there's a lot of frauds out there, but I really believe that there are people who have that gift and it's pretty incredible. I agree. And especially having had a family member who sadly I never met, but who apparently did similar things. um, You can't help but wonder. I mean, science says that we only use so much of our brain normally. So what the hell is the rest of it doing? And why wouldn't some people have access to those other parts of the brain that like aren't used by the general human race, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. And like Ricky said, it's like a muscle. And the more you use it Mm -hmm. and the more you work at it, the more it can evolve and you can, you know, really tap into that 
part of your brain or whatever it is. Practice makes perfect. Can you imagine being that server and all of a sudden somebody just tells you that your dead mom approves of your husband? Like that would hit me like a ton of bricks. It sounds like it did to her. And I mean, also, but that would be very amazing and give me so much hope. And like, you know, that there's something out there after we die and that your mom is still there with you. And, you know, that obviously gives me a lot of comfort knowing, you know, because we're all getting to that age where our parents are getting older and it's going to happen eventually. And like knowing that they'll still be there with us in some way is a lot more comfort. Whether we like it or not. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot more comforting than just thinking like, that's it. It's just once you're dead, like it's finite. Well, I do know that my friend Dana has said she, she's, she has abilities here and there. Um, and it's just generally like a lovely person to be around. Like you just feel at ease when you're around her, but she has a strong connection. I feel to the supernatural. And she told both of her daughters that, um, who are like in their junior high, early teen years, she was like, after I go, if you ever need me, just say my name and I'll be like, what, what I'm here. What do you need? What do you need? (laughs) So yeah, I, that's amazing. Thank you for that story, Ricky. Um, and uh, yeah, I agree. I'm glad that that horrifying mask is uh, behaving so far because I know I would not want that in my home. <laughs> and, and this mask looks pretty much like you would expect it to. <laughs> <laughs> it looks worse than you probably expect it to. Maybe. <laughs> I oh, like man. it, though. I do like it. Okay, so moving on from scary masks, <laughs> um, this next story comes from Rebecca. I'd like to start by saying my house was built sometime in the 1950s. We're not sure which year exactly. And my landlord didn't buy it until sometime in the 90s. And we haven't been able to find any history on the house during those years. When I was about 15, I was getting ready to leave the house with my mom. And I was fixing my hair in front of a little square mirror I had by my door. I looked down and put my glasses on. As I lifted my head up, I looked back into the mirror and standing behind me, taller than me and completely opaque, was a shadow figure. It was an inky black color and it was there for about 10 seconds before it disappeared. I thought it was a trick of the light through the window at first, so I redid the same movements while standing in the same spot, and it never happened again. It scared me so bad, I slept on the couch for two weeks. Another night, about two years ago when I was 19, I was woken up around 3.30 in the morning by the feeling of a hand on me. It pulled on my ankle and then dropped, and I never felt it again. I was too scared to look down there. I never heard breathing, and when I checked in the morning, I stayed awake until daylight, there was no one there. Those two might be the scariest instances I've had with the haunted house I live in, but every day I feel like something is watching me, though some days it's worse than others. I have nightmares about the house and the land it's on every few weeks. The doors open and close by themselves. My mom and I have both heard crystal clear voices. Sometimes my friends even hear me talking to them when I haven't said anything at all. The basement is the worst place to be on any day at any time of day. 
Anyone who goes down there can feel how awful it is. There's a mirror down there that came with the house that's hard to look into. And I have an awful feeling there's something weird behind the mirror. I hope you all enjoyed my stories. It's fun telling them even if they're scary when they happen. But that's probably because I've been interested in scary stuff for most of my life. Okay, I just have to say, uh, 3.30, and that is uh, right after the witching hour. Um, so that makes sense that she felt something around that time. Also, so many of these things, I'm like, oh, that happened to me, that happened to me. I My basement at the house I grew up in was terrifying. I hated going down there. And I would always like run up the stairs super quickly because I was always afraid that something would grab my ankle when I was running up the stairs. And then in a house I lived at um, years later, like in, in my 20s, the man who lived there before me actually died in the living room. And I know for a fact he haunted the house. But like I constantly felt like someone was always watching me. I was so terrified. So I feel for you, Rebecca. Yeah, I was almost like at first I thought maybe Sharon, you had like rewritten this and named the person, quote, Rebecca, (laughs) based on um, the house that I first lived in down the like a few blocks from Sharon when we were little, because Rebecca, a lot of these things happened to me in that house. And again, I've mentioned this house on other episodes as well, but um, specifically the mirror thing, we had a basement that was creepy as well. And um, we there was one time I was in the bathroom in the basement and washing my hands and then happened to look up and yeah, in the mirror to my, well, to my right in the mirror, there was a face of some sort which freaked me out and I ran. But there were numerous times where um, the thing that caught me the most was the the point about hearing voices that they think like your friends thought it was you or whatever. Well, one time I was again in that basement bathroom and legit heard my mom call me and I was like, what do you want? What do you want? And got frustrated thinking that she was just not answering because she was like, just come up here and then I'll talk to you, you know, because she would do that. And I ran upstairs and was like, just say, come up here. Don't call my name and then don't respond. And she said, what are you talking about? So we would hear voices in that house as well. That whole area sharing by us where we grew up was weird in general. But yeah, and I mirrors are creepy. That's all I'm going to say as soon as that got brought up. I, yeah. Like the movie Oculus. Or worse. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that story. Or those those few stories, actually, Rebecca. That, that that's that's creepy. And uh wow, you guys still live there. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a short story next mm-hmm. that comes from Meg. When I first moved to the city, I had a two-bedroom apartment with a friend. I had the small bedroom in the front of the apartment. At night, my bedroom door would open on its own. I brought this up to my roommate. She thought it was just my cat pushing it open, but I didn't believe it. Sometimes I was awake when it happened. I tried to see if I had a shitty doorknob mechanism that didn't latch all the way, but it seemed fine. It happened a couple of times a week for a while. One night I couldn't sleep, so I was in my bed with my cat on my bed I was playing on my phone and my light was on. The door was shut and latched. It opened. I even noticed my cat looking over like, what the fuck? 
My roommate never believed me, and in a strange twist, it stopped when my roommate's grandmother passed away. Hmm. We also had a built-in hutch there, and we'd come home to find the glass doors open. They also stopped opening when the grandmother passed away. Interesting. Huh. I wonder why it stopped. Like, you know, I wonder if there was any relationship to the grandmother but why was the grandmother coming to see meg unless she was like oh shit wrong wrong room that would be whole that would be something my grandmother would do like my mom's mom that 100 percent. she was the one who said if there's an afterlife and you want to come say hi to me come say hi how are you don't be like boogity 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 and that would be totally something that she would do oh shit you're not my granddaughter. Sorry. How funny would that be if or a maybe, ghost? Came I don't in? have my glasses on. <laughs> or yeah, maybe, maybe she thought it was her granddaughter because she didn't have her glasses on or something. Couldn't tell. Or maybe uh, the granddaughter's door was like harder to open. But or maybe there was something in the house, and then when the grandma died, she came <gasps> over and scared it away. That's yeah. what I thought. Oh, I like that. I do too. It makes way more sense. Well, I'd be curious, and Meg, feel free to like write us back and let us know. Um, but I'd be curious if like the grandmother was sick or something while this was happening too, because maybe somehow she was like astral projecting. Mm. We don't have any facts on this, folks. We're just we're just guessing, but it's fun to think about. But the, yeah, when you're, I I always say when the pets look when something happens, that's when you know, oh shit, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, last but certainly not least, we have two stories that come from one of Mindy and my friends. She did not want us to use her name, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But through the years, she has told us a bunch of great paranormal stories that have involved her and her family who are all very in tune with the spiritual and supernatural side of life, let's say. Um, So, yeah. I've been bugging her for a while. Like, you have to write some of your stories. So I'm so, so happy that she finally did because they are great. So the first story goes, this story happened to me when I was a child. So my information is from my mom telling me about the incident. It was the early 1980s and I was a toddler, two years old at the time, living in a small four-story walk-up apartment with my parents and my teenage older sister. My parents owned a construction company, and that meant that they had sometimes worked nights and weekends. They didn't leave me at home when I was little, but instead took me to most of their job sites as I grew up. When this story takes place, my parents had a construction job that required night work because it was on the grounds of a hotel. The hotel management wanted the work done in the evenings so it wouldn't impede on the guest. So they arranged for a free hotel suite for us to stay in while my parents worked overnight shifts. We locked up our apartment, packed up some things, and moved in for the job. One day, my mom, sister, and I all went back to our apartment to pick up some things and to check on it as we had been gone for a long time. As my mom unlocks the front door, a whoosh of air leaves the apartment. That seemed strange to her since the windows were shut and there was no AC. The apartment was untouched, but my mom had a bad feeling. As we gathered some items, she noticed that I was not acting like I normally do. I was typically a sweet, well-behaved toddler. Humblebrag, sorry. (laughs) I know. Just kidding. Um, But something seemed off to her. 
My mom said that I looked like I was not there in my head, like I was in a different place, like I was sleepwalking or daydreaming and wouldn't wake up. She couldn't tell exactly what was wrong, but she definitely knew something was wrong. She told my sister to get me ready to go to church. My mom was very involved with our church at the time, and a blessing was the first thing she thought of as a solution to the current situation. Maybe mother's intuition was at play. When she mentioned going to the church, that's when I lost it. I started speaking in a low, deep male voice and screamed that, quote, I didn't want to leave and I didn't want to go there, along with a number of fully formed sentences that a two-year-old toddler wasn't capable of speaking. My mom, terrified, picked me up to take me out of the apartment, but to her surprise, this two-year-old girl was not leaving so easily. I clung to the doorframe and I held on with the strength of an adult determined not to be moved. She had to pry my fingers off the doorframe one at a time while my 14-year-old sister desperately tried to help. As they struggled to get me in the car, whatever was in me continued to struggle with them, kicking and screaming things like, I don't want to go. You can't make me leave. I want to stay here. And I started to claw at my mom and sister at the steering wheel and at the car doors, trying to open them as the car was in motion. Remember, this is the early 1980s, and my mom drove a car that had one big bench seat as the front seat. So we were all sitting in the front seat together. My mom said that I was so strong that my sister struggled to restrain my body while she drove. All the while, my mom was driving in tears, trying to get us to our Catholic church. Once we got to the church, she found a priest, and when she placed me in his arms, I became limp. He blessed me with holy water, and I passed out for the rest of the day. My mom said she never wanted to go back to the apartment after that, but she didn't understand how this could have happened. She later pieces together what happened. As the backstory goes, my mom had been advising my grandmother that her attorney was a crook and a bad guy. My grandmother had confronted this man and after the confrontation had come to our apartment to see my mom to tell her about it. But we were staying at the hotel property, so we weren't there. My grandma left and a couple of days later, we went to the apartment where the possession occurred. According to my mom and grandma, Something had been attached to this man, some sort of extremely angry and negative energy, something predatory, filled with corruption and hatred. It had attached to my grandma and tagged along with her when she came to our apartment. It then laid there and waited for my mom, the target of his anger and rage. Then it saw me. I was the youngest in the family and the most vulnerable at the time. This bad energy attacked me and began to infect me. Ever since that incident, I grew up as the target for many strange paranormal occurrences. Both my mom and dad were gifted, but they were much stronger than me. If there was any time where someone was jealous or felt ill will towards my family, I would be the one to fall mysteriously ill. Oftentimes, medical doctors wouldn't know what was wrong, and my parents would have to take me to alternative healers, shamans, and healers of other cultures and faiths would always be the ones to bless and heal me. It has always worked. 
Now, as an adult, I don't experience that level of scary paranormal interactions, but I never play with a Ouija board. I always respect places that are deemed haunted, and I believe there is more out there beyond our comprehension. Wow. Thank you so much for sending us that story. Uh, you know who you are because <laughs> we're not going to use your name. But um, yeah, I remember this, I think, was like the first paranormal story you told me about your childhood. And I was like, holy shit, you have to let us tell the story on our podcast because it is so amazing. And also, I do have to say, this is not anything like what you experienced, but my very first day of my parents taking me to CCD, which is, um, ca- you know, Sunday school. I, for Catholics. For Catholics, yes. Um, I had a very similar reaction to when you were taken to the church, but it was just because I did not want to go to Sunday school. But I was literally like when they dropped me off um, at class, I was like screaming and crying. And I was like, it was almost like that scene from The Omen where they're bringing <laughs> Damien to the wedding. I was just like, no, I'm not going. Like, <laughs> But I wasn't possessed. You actually were. so Well, and I have to say that this, I had a few other stories told to me that were not as intense as this one. And then this bomb got dropped on me. Um, so by the time I heard this story, I think my initial reaction was like, shut the fuck up. That did not happen. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. But if you, if you know her and you know her family and her history and where she grew up, it makes sense. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that um, and letting us. As Sharon already said, like letting us tell this on our show. Um, We have another story from our same friend. Um, Now, this story takes place when she was a little bit older than a toddler. (laughs) Um, And here we go. When I was in my early teens, I mysteriously fell ill and spent several days very sick and lethargic. I wasn't sick enough to be hospitalized. I was always drained of my energy, and I remember it was during the summer, so I didn't miss any school, but I spent many days asleep on the couch. My mom took me to a doctor to figure out what was wrong, but all of my tests checked out okay. Finally, as a last resort, my mom contacted a family friend who was a healer, whom we'll call Anne. She explained the situation to Anne on the phone and was advised that we should come over, but not to tell her the exact time when we were planning on being there. Anne said the spirits will try and keep us from getting to her, and she's had clients that have gotten lost trying to seek her help because they specified when they were coming over to her home. Wow. My mom and I arrived at Anne's home one sunny afternoon, but I didn't know why we were there. I thought we were visiting my grandma's friend. We would sometimes visit family on that side of town, so I didn't think anything of it. Anne was a large presence and very welcoming. We sat down in her living room and my mom explained what was happening to me. Anne explained that her healing is based in cultural practices combined with Christian faith and prayer. She said that she used the Bible as a tool to tell her what is going on with the person who needs help. She pulled out her Bible, opened it to a random page, and began to read. She recited a passage that explicitly stated, quote, someone wants you, unquote. 
It was a passage about someone coveting what we had. My mom seemed to understand what she was referring to, but I had no clue. After reading the passage, Anne explained that she was going to give me a blessing and proceeded to get up to go to the kitchen to get her supplies. She casually walked to her kitchen, but then she hurriedly returned and handed me a glass of what looked like water and urgently asked me to drink it. I remember being alarmed because I didn't expect this big woman to rush back the way she did. I drank the water, which ended up being blessed water. And as I drank, she explained that she saw a dark figure from the kitchen approaching me and she rushed over to me to start the blessing. She gently put her hands on me as she muttered prayers softly. Anne described the dark figure as a woman, slight in frame with short hair. My mom knew exactly who it was. She said that it sounded like Mary, again, pseudonym, my half-brother's wife, whom we recently ran into at the store while running errands. I remembered when we saw Mary and how much she fawned over how attractive I was and how I was growing into a beautiful young woman. I felt really uncomfortable at the time. Anne explained that this woman was jealous and wanted me, like the Bible passage says. My mom told her that Mary had asked my mom to adopt me while she was pregnant with me. She wanted to adopt me because she thought I would inherit everything from my dad as his youngest child. My parents didn't agree to it, of course, but I had no idea that my sister-in-law had wanted to take me from my parents before I was even born. Anne explained that when we saw Mary, it sparked her anger and jealousy, and it was so palpable that it attached to me and was draining my life force, leaving me susceptible to illness. It explained my lethargy, and the timing was right. After the blessing, I was immediately better, and we made it a point to never see Mary again. In fact, the last time I saw her was at my dad's funeral almost eight years later, we still have no relationship till this day. Uh, I have not heard this one before. So this story is crazy. And also, I think it would make a great movie. Right? Um, James Wan, if you're listening. <laughs> Again, yes, James Wan. We know you listen to our show. I can see you turning this into a show. Contact us. We'll get our friends to sell you the rights. Um, but yeah, I can see this like fleshed out into becoming like a creepy ass story. It kind of sounds like the plot to like one of those type of movies like Insidious or something, you know? Yeah, but more I like I don't I don't want to say like that seems weird, but what what's interesting to me the most about this is that it does feel like, you know, Insidious like there's a demon wearing a Darth Maul mask, you know, and this is like very real. It's our friend telling us a story that happened to her, but it's something that I feel like we could be, anyone could be like, I could see that happening or that's realistic in yeah. a way. Maybe Insidious wasn't the best example. Yeah. But like, I can see it taking place in like New Orleans or something and like voodoo being involved or obviously, I don't want to say where our friend is from, um, but where it could even take place there because that is also a very uh, like spiritual place with like a, a rich history with you know just um like the supernatural and, and stuff like that but wow 
Uh, yeah. Thank yeah. you so, so much for sending us those stories. Amazing job writing them. And I'm so glad we were finally able to read these on our show and, and for our two year anniversary. That's no right. Less. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't think I've heard this one either before. So um, thank you for that, too. It's always nice to get a nice little surprise. Thank you to everybody, really. These were great stories. Yes. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote wrote to us. Um, this is great. Um, I, you know, wish we would get more of these because I love hearing people's personal ghost stories because I am a believer. I mean, as Mindy has said, like we're healthy skeptics, um, maybe her more than me, just because I, I think I've had so many personal experiences that I'm like, OK, there, there is something out there. Um, yeah. I mean, we between my dad and his side of the family and even my mom's side of the family, I, I have I'm skeptic in that I don't think that every single thing that people say is necessarily haunted or a ghost or whatever. But I'm, I'm also not saying that. I mean, there's certainly something. Of course. Um, so and if there's any, anybody's got any follow ups, um, you know, uh, Rebecca, Ricky, our friend, <laughs> um, <laughs> Meg, like, Meg, like, please do get in touch with us at any time, because like that would be awesome to hear if more stuff happened or. And if you want us to read your personal ghost story on our show, uh, please write to us. Um, we love hearing from all of you. Thank you all so much for listening to us. Um, two years, like it doesn't even seem like it's been that long. This no. has been so much fun. Uh, like, you know, coming up with new episode ideas every week and, and, you know, getting to work with like two of my best friends and and we love doing this and uh, we just want to keep this going. So thank you all for listening to us, because if you didn't listen to us, we would have stopped this a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you have anything you want us to sh- uh, share on our show, you know, write us your ghost stories, any creepy stories, true crime stories, um, that time that maybe you were cursed, you know, let us know. Uh, you can write to us at horror at gmail.com. Please also subscribe to us and rate and review us. It really does help us get more exposure. Uh, if you're able to, please join our Patreon so that you can get early access to episodes, see exclusive posts, and maybe even get some cool fun shit in the mail. Uh, Please be kind to each other out there. Be safe. Happy summer. Uh, And as always, thanks thanks for getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.